We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster, uh, and I wanted to touch base here on this Friday afternoon before the Super Bowl because there were some things that I was thinking about. There were some conversations that we had on the Field of 68 after dark the last three nights that um, I want to kind of work through and, and I want to kind of talk through. And some of it is just me going through the thought process and, and working through some of the content that we create. Some of it is just thinking about the run in that UConn has this year and looking at their schedule and what they've played. Um, we had a conversation last night, Josh Pastner, Jeff Goodman, and myself uh, about the nightmare matchups that some of the top teams could face. And, and I wanted to dive into that a little bit. Um, and I, I look, Frankly, I wanted to promo the uh, the film room breakdown that I did of UConn's ball screen defenses, which uh, you can find on our YouTube channel. You can find on my Twitter feed. You can find uh, on Instagram. You can find on TikToks. I posted it to the to the Boneyard. Uh, anywhere that you consume UConn content, that's going to be there for you to be able to find somewhere. So um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the Butler game, but uh, you know, I thought that that was. Um, that looked like a team that was a little bit tired. They had played four games in nine days, and I guess we'll get into that here in just a second. First and foremost, if you do like the content that you are seeing and listening to here, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, engage, do whatever you can do to, to try to help with the algorithm there. That's the kind of stuff that we need. That's the kind of stuff that uh, makes this podcast go, and that's the kind of stuff where uh, if you're getting the content for free, that's the best way to support it. That's all we really ask. Um Connecticut won on Tuesday night in the XL Center against Butler 71 to 62. It wasn't the greatest fan uh uh environment. It wasn't the loudest building that anybody's ever heard. It wasn't the greatest performance UConn basketball has ever seen. It was just kind of a uh a metronome, right? I I said on on After Dark where uh UConn feels like they are the kind of team that is going to uh kill you by a thousand cuts, right? It's death by a thousand cuts when you play them. Um Last year, to me, it was Andre Jackson that kind of epitomized what the UConn basketball team was, right? He kind of had moments where he looked unsure of himself. He had moments where the confidence wasn't there. He had moments where he wasn't maybe the best that he could be. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you would get these blow-up moments. You would get these runs where 
Uh, he's throwing these no-look passes and he's throwing down these dunks and he's making all these plays defensively and he's doing all the, these different things that nobody else can really conceive of doing, right? And uh, that's when they go from being good to being completely unbeatable. It was kind of like you were waiting for the avalanche, right? You were waiting for them to go on that 30 to 10 surge. You were waiting on them to uh, to just completely pile on and obliterate you. And that's kind of what they did for uh, every game that wasn't necessarily in the month of January last season. So um, that's kind of who UConn was last year. Whereas this team to me is kind of epitomized by Cam Spencer. And what I mean by that is that this is not, and I will go to my grave saying this. I do not think that this team is as, as skilled or as talented as last year's UConn team was. I don't think that there is deep. I don't think that there is old or as much of a veteran team. Um, I do understand that there are, probably going to end up being at least three pros coming out of this group, three NBA players, Steph Castle, obviously he's going to be an NBA player. Donovan Klingon, obviously going to be an NBA player. Alex Caravan, more likely than not, probably will be an NBA player. Cam Spencer, um, I will go to my grave saying that he is a guy that should at the very minimum get a two-way contract. I actually spoke with uh, uh, an NBA front office guy um, when I was in Kentucky and Lexington last weekend. Uh, who very much agreed with my assessment that I think Cam Spencer needs to be somebody in the NBA uh, picture. I don't know if he's necessarily someone that gets drafted, but uh, get him on a contract, get him on a two-way, get him on a G League, um, get him on an exhibit, whatever it is, get him into your organization and just see if it works because he's one of those dudes where I just think he's going to figure it out. But um, the the point is that I don't think these that this group is as – naturally gifted if that makes sense as naturally talented as the group was last year and that's what happens when you lose a jordan hawkins and an andre jackson right um but what they are is they are steady they are consistent they are extremely well drilled and they are extremely good at being in the right position and in the place that they are supposed to be um, they don't really make mistakes that beat themselves. There are some turnovers. There are some bad possessions. There are some missed shots. But uh, for the most part, they are running what they're supposed to run. They're getting the shots that they're supposed to take, and they are where they are supposed to be defensively. Um, and you know, in that video breakdown that I did, kind of breaking down their ball screen defense, the, the one thing as I went back and I watched all the film on that is that uh, they are they are so good at making the right read and rotations. And making the right read when it comes to kind of like the scramble drill stuff, right? Where if somebody gets beat and another uh, defender has to come over and help, they know who has the next help so that they can all make sure that they get to the right closeout. It's all shell drill stuff. It's all closeout drill stuff. It's all exceptionally well drilled and uh, the kind of thing that you have to be able to do. You have to have intelligent players. You have to have guys that kind of understand already what they're doing offensively, and you have to have coaches that can really drill that stuff down, and it's really impressive to watch. And it's why you don't really see this UConn team go on these, like, 32 to 10 surges, right? They just kind of slowly but surely wear you down, where they're going to get stops on, you know, three out of five possessions and they're going to score on three three and a half out of five possessions and if you do that over every five possession stretch during a game then you're winning every one of those five possession stretches by two points and eventually all of that stuff adds up and you get a double digit win where it never feels like UConn isn't in control I think Butler and a little bit St. John's but I think Butler was the perfect example of this because uh it it never 
I never felt like UConn got out of like second gear. They were just kind of there playing, right? And it never also it also never felt like this was a Butler team that was going to find a way to be able to make a run and get back in this, right? Like they cut it to two possessions, but it never that was never a team that looked like they were getting ready to pull an upset. Whereas UConn never really looked like they were going to get ready to pull away, but they just kind of held Butler at arm's length. And that is a good Butler team, okay? They won at Marquette. They won at Creighton. They're an eight seed and are fielding the 68 projections right now. Like, they are a good basketball team, and they just never really got it going against UConn. And I was very, very impressed with that. Nice to see them establish Donovan Klingon early on in that game. Um, nice to see Cam Spencer, like, really get it going. Uh, I was asked the other day, if I'm worried about Tristan Newton shooting the ball, Tristan Newton offensively, and I'm not like my, I probably should go back before I say this uh, with the utmost confidence, but I should probably go back and watch it a little bit more. But my gut says that part of the reason why he's shooting a lower percentage right now in big East play and why he's struggling, struggling a little bit compared to what he was earlier on this season uh, I think he's at 30.5% from three on the season. He's shooting 26.6% from three in Big East play is that he's being asked to play a little bit of a different role than he did last year. Um, last year, a lot of what UConn did offensively uh, stemmed from throwing the ball into Damasinogo in the post and letting him try to go create something, um, running offense through uh, Andre Jackson and being able to get sets where you just have Jordan Hawkins sprinting into a screen, right? This year, you can't really do that as much because you don't have that that player where you could throw the ball into him in the post. And, and look, Donovan Klingon was awesome on Tuesday. Uh, playing back to the basket, take seven dribbles on a low block, assert position, use your leverage, use your weight. Like he's just a very, very different player than Adama Sonogo is because he's seven foot three with high hips. Like he's just never going to be great at getting leverage because when you are that tall and that slim, you just aren't. It's it's just physical nature. And we talk about that. I don't, I, I hate that I got to go over and over this, but it's just kind of, maybe I do for my own sanity. Um, either way, it's, it's more difficult to be able to, throw the ball into him and just trust that you're going to be able to get a good shot. Cam Spencer, very good at coming off of screens. He He's not as fast. He's not as, as athletic. He's not Jordan Hawkins. No one is Jordan Hawkins. No one's ever going to be Jordan Hawkins. He's probably the best that we'll ever see what he was doing, that specific skill uh, in college. Um, and then, like, Steph Castle, Cam Spencer, it takes a little bit of the creation burden off of Tristan Newton. But the way that the offense kind of works now is at the end of a clock, the ball ends up in Tristan's hands and he kind of has to go out and create something. And I think part of the reason his shooting numbers are down is because he's ending up with more uh, low percentage, inefficient jumpers off the dribble than he did last season. And I think there is, it's easier to put a little bit more attention on him in those situations because of the, the fact that, you know, he's getting it in a late clock. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. He's still going to make the shots. He still is clutch. He still finds a way to get into the paint. He's still creating, he's still doing the things he's supposed to be doing offensively. He's just getting stuck, taking tougher shots this year than he did last year. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. I'm not worried about it at all. Um, I don't know if he's, Still in the conversation to be a first-team All-American as of right now, but uh, whatever. You know, I think he'd be very happy winning a second straight national title and not getting named a first-team All-American while watching some of these other guards that do get named first-team All-American and second-team All-American get knocked out in the first round of the tournament. That's just my guess on the way that that dude is wired. So, um, 
in terms of the way that the schedule kind of shakes out, one thing I do just want to note, and I want to prepare everybody for, and I want to get ahead of it because I know it's going to be a thing. And I, I, I don't, the way that this, the, the way that we all work and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well is overreacting to one loss, or overreacting to a couple losses that come in a short span of time. As you guys know, by now we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here from the Field of 68, and I need to tell you about a partnership that we just signed with Autograph, a fandom company co-founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. Brady in the gun. Touchdown, yeah. Patriots! I can't deal with my clogged Twitter feed anymore. Every single tweet gets three responses from some Twitter bot promoting gambling picks. I just want to read the articles, man. I just want to read stories. I just want to listen to my favorite podcast. I just want to consume the content that breaks down my favorite college basketball team. And I want to do it all in one place. Now I can with the new autograph rewarding fandom app. That place exists. And here's the best part about it. The more content you consume about your favorite team and the more reward points that I rack up, the better my chances are going to be to score one of a kind fan merch, discounted tickets to games or other awesome items and experiences on the autograph app so go download it use that referral code f68 that's f68 and get access today hey if you do maybe i'll get my buddy tom to send you a thank you we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. UConn's toughest stretch of the season, without a doubt, is the last three weeks of the regular season heading straight into the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament. Last six games, home for Marquette at Creighton, home Villanova, home Seton Hall at Marquette at Providence. The three toughest road games that UConn is going to play this season come in their last five games. The two times that they play the other potential Final Four team in the Big East come in the last six games. They're tough. The Second most difficult road venue they have to play in at Creighton comes in the last five games. Villanova, Seton Hall, and Providence are all going to be in a position where that win against UConn, that potential win against UConn, could end up being the difference between going to the NIT and going to the NCAA tournament. Those are all teams that are right there on the bubble right now. That is a nightmare running, and I would not be surprised to see UConn go 3-3 three and three in that stretch. I just wouldn't. Um, if you remember last year, UConn had their nightmare stretch at the start of January. It started on December 31st, actually. And it was at Xavier, at Marquette. Then there was a home game, and then they were at Creighton. So you had, in a four-game stretch, your three toughest road games of the year, and UConn lost all three of them. And what they did was allow that to seep into the next four games, where, again, they lost three out of four immediately afterwards. They let it spill into a road game at uh, Seton Hall. They let it spill into a home game against St. John's where they lost by 11 points. And what UConn cannot do here is allow any slip-ups and any hiccups during that stretch to be something that carries over. Like, you know how damn good you are. You're the reigning national champions. You're number one in America. You're sitting here at 21-2. and two. You've won 11 straight games. You're all alone in first place in the Big East. You're awesome. Don't let one loss bother you because, to be frank, if you look at what they've actually done this season, I think you can make the argument that they've only played one team that you could call like a legit Final Four contender as of today, right? And that would be North Carolina. Indiana, they stink, okay? Texas is 4-6 and six in the Big 12. They are not what they, we thought they were going to be. 
when that schedule got made, when UConn played them, I believe they were a top 10 team in the moment there. Gonzaga might fuck around and miss the NCAA tournament. St. John's, bubble team. Butler, bubble team. Xavier, bubble team. At Cray- uh, Home against Creighton, yes, that's a good win. Villanova, bubble team. Xavier, bubble team. Providence, bubble team. St. John's, bubble team. Butler, bubble team. They have... The wins and the schedule has not aged the way that I necessarily expected it to. And it does not look quite as strong right now as it did um, back at the start of the year. To kind of put this all into perspective, since the win over North Carolina, um, UConn has beaten one top 35 team in Kempom. That is not named Gonzaga. And Gonzaga is a team I think is a little bit of a metric darling because of uh, what has happened um, playing in the WCC. So I just want to put that into context, right? The second best team that UConn has played in the Big East right now, according to Ken Palm, is a Xavier team that is missing their top two big guys. So it's going on a run where you win these Games, six straight games, Creighton, Villanova, Xavier, Providence, St. John's, Butler, two of which were on the road. Like, that's not a bad thing. It's not embarrassing. Winning at Butler is not bad. Winning at Xavier is not a bad thing. But it's not like you're going out there and they are beating Houston and they are beating Kansas and they are beating Tennessee and they are beating Alabama and Auburn and some of these different teams. So, I want to make sure we get that in context because once this schedule gets into the most difficult part of the season, some losses are going to come. Don't let it spiral if you're a UConn and don't let it get you to a point where you start freaking out if you are a UConn fan. Okay. Going to get in front of it. Going to say it right now because I know if I say all this stuff in the moment, people are going to be like, you are such a apologist, like you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. I don't want that to happen. I'm just trying to get in front of it and let you guys know the losses are going to come. It's going to happen at some point during that stretch. It, that that schedule is too difficult to not lose any games. That Five of the last eight games are on the road. Then you get into the Big East tournament. So it's going to happen. A loss is coming. Don't overreact to it. Um, speaking of losses, I do want to just discuss, because I thought it was a really interesting conversation, the the most difficult matchups and the nightmare matchups that UConn could see in the NCAA tournament. And there's a couple things that I think kind of stand out here. Um, one, at least for me, if I'm, I'm game planning against UConn, this is kind of what I think you need to be able to do. You got to be able to attack Caravan at the four spot. I think he is, I don't want to say he's a bad defender because he's definitely improved, but that is where um, you can probably find the most success if you have an elite four man. Problem is this year, there aren't that many elite four men out there in college basketball. You need a five man that can that can get clinging into foul trouble. He's gotten a little bit jumpy on pump fakes. Um, if you have someone that is skilled, that can space him out a little bit, that frankly can do a lot of the things that Josh Aduro showed that he was able to do, then um, then you can be able to get clinging in foul trouble. And once you get clinging in foul trouble, uh, if you have guards that can penetrate and get to the rim, um, that's when you can expose UConn's perimeter defense that is not quite as good as it was last season. So, uh, and you can, you got to be able to do all that without relying on ball screens. Here's a crazy stat for you. Despite all of the inconsistency with Donovan Klingon in the lineup, UConn currently ranks 98th percentile on synergy in ball screen defense. 98th 
percentile, which is a ridiculously high number. Um, and and it just says a lot about why this team has been so, so, so good on the defensive end of the floor, despite missing the great wall of Bristol for a big stretch of the season. Um, so there are, there are a couple teams that kind of fall into that category for me. Um, I do think that Marquette is just about the worst possible matchup that you can have for this iteration of UConn. Uh, because of Oso Iguodaro's ability to um, to play on the perimeter, to be a passer, to to really be dangerous in short roll actions. Um, I, I think that when you're in drop coverage, short rolls are something that can be effective. And I think that uh, especially when you're hedging high Samson Johnson, uh, that is when short rolls can be really effective. Part of why uh, Kansas – lit up Houston on Saturday is Houston runs like a kind of, a, it's not the same as what UConn does with Samson Johnson, but they, they hedge on ball screens. And so what Kansas did was they started their offense a good 40 feet away from the basket, ran those ball screens. And then immediately, as soon as two guys came to the point guard threw the ball to KJ Adams on a short roll, which basically means all of a sudden you have a four on three with two Houston players out of the play. And I would expect Marquette to try to do something similar in those actions against Samson Johnson uh, because also Godaro is better at doing that than KJ Adam is uh, KJ Adams is. Um, and I think that uh, Oso is also a guy that can kind of take advantage of clinging a little bit because he's so like, Oso is just so good at that little like 12 foot push shot. And that's something where once Tyler Kolek going against drop coverage has somebody on their hip, he should be able to find, Oso over and over and over again. Um, and if you get clinging into foul trouble, I do think that, uh, I mean, with like the Cam Joneses of the world, I think Chase Ross should be back at some point here. Um, Kolek too. Like you have a lot of guys that can get to the basket, David Joplin. So I think that that is Marquette's a tough matchup. Um, I think that once you get past uh, the elite teams, um, I would say, you know, currently in our like seven to ten range on the fielding the sixty-eight bracket, one of the teams I wouldn't want to see is a Boise State who has good guard play. Tyson Degenhart is one of the best four men in college basketball. I know it's the Mountain West. Everyone makes the jokes about them not being able to win in March, but you know, San Diego State made that run and um they have some big guys, they have some size. So that's that would be a tough matchup. But I'm more concerned with teams that are in like that four seed range. I think Illinois would be a very, very, very difficult matchup for UConn because of Coleman Hawkins' ability to space and, and do some of the things that Oso and KJ Adams do because of Terrence Shannon's ability to get to the bucket um, because of the fact that Illinois can legitimately switch one through five because they have uh, two or three guys that are really, really good one-on-one -on -one scores. Uh, you know, Illinois is a team that is very capable – of losing in the first round to a 13 seed. They are very capable of losing to a 13 seed by 20 points if they end up being a four seed. They're also talented enough where if things go right, they are they have final four upside. Um Auburn Auburn has maybe the best I mean he's up there as one of the best four men in college basketball in Jalen Williams and they have a five in Janai Broom that is similar to Aduro and his ability to kind of draw fouls and get people in foul trouble. So I think that's a difficult matchup. And just the fact that their guards can get out and pressure so hard, you're not going to be able to run very good offense against Auburn. They are a very, very, very good team. They're kind of trending towards what looks like that four line. Uh, and the last one I have written down is just Alabama. Because Alabama can space the floor at the five spot um, because of Klingon's 
lack of like low post physicality. I don't think that they will get exposed by the fact that they're as much by the fact that their bigs are kind of tall and slender and not exactly the most physical um, players in the country. They shoot a ton of threes uh, and their entire mantra is get a layup or shoot a three. And that should be a difficult thing for UConn to deal with because they have a lot of guys that can get to the basket. Uh, but those are some of the those are the ones that I had written down. Obviously, like Purdue is going to be the toughest matchup they face, and North Carolina is going to be a really tough matchup. But they play again; they're playing bet. Like I didn't want to just stick with the uh, the elite teams in in college basketball. Who are the teams in that second round Sweet Sixteen that UConn fans would not want to see? And those are the uh, those are the three or four that I kind of came up with. So um, enjoy your weekend, guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I am kind of personally pulling for Brock Purdy and the 49ers because I grew up a 49ers fan, but uh, you know, I would not hate it if um, what ended up coming out of this was uh, Travis Kelsey won the uh, won the Super Bowl and it's retired immediately on the spot. And the Kelsey brothers went off to become like the, uh, the superstars of the post football um, their post-football career. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But uh, I would like to see the 49ers win. Who doesn't love themselves? Brock Purdy. So enjoy the game. Um, enjoy Saturday's matchup with Georgetown. Uh, hopefully that'll be something where you can, can find a way to get a win in an empty, is it the Capital One Center, Verizon Center, whatever it is, the big phone booth. Um, and we'll catch up again, hopefully on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.